0: To Lakeland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. It is good to see you. I'm proud of you already, and here's why. If you're a 9 o'clocker who slept in, I'm proud that you're here right now at 1045. And if you're a 1045er who woke up early, I'm proud of you for making it a whole hour early to this service, uh, <laughs> making it to 1045 with that spring forward. Welcome, welcome. Uh, for everyone who all, uh, joining us at home, uh, just kind of a little, uh, heads up. We're going to be taking communion at the end of this service. So if you didn't grab the elements beforehand, go grab something that will work for, uh, as we take communion at the end of the service. Today, we are continuing in the series called funny little thing called love. Last week, we talked about God's love to us. We're going to take that a step further this week, but, um, and you know what this week kind of commemorates right now, this week, besides Daylight Savings? I think I heard someone say it's, it's kind of the one-year mark from when everything went into lockdown last year. Today's the 14th, and last year on the 14th, it was Saturday night in our Saturday night service. There was no one in here. It was me and our tech team and our worship team, and we went live online And it was the start of lockdown. Now, while I remember at the beginning of that actually having being a little bit actually energized by the challenges that this is going to uh, put in front of us and a little bit excited honestly but of course uh, that was probably like a lot of us thinking that this might be a one-month interruption and of course it did not become a one-month interruption. I remember some people even going on social media and saying this is going to be great it's going to be like an extended snow day. Any of you like snow days? Most people do. It's like, hey, we just hunker down, we get in front of the fire, we binge watch movies and things like that, and we just kind of ch- chillax for a period of time. And, and most of us, like a month of that, I don't know, that sounds kind of good. And of course, we got sick of this long snow day, right? Yeah, I, I think a lot of us, it's, it, it's okay if you fell out of love with this lockdown, okay? Um, and obviously, apart from the pandemic itself, the lockdown aspect of it became old, And um, there are some things in life that really it's okay for us to lose our love for. And there are other things like a lockdown. And there are other things that we actually have to fight to maintain a love and a passion for. Like you're, you're always going to have to just stay after it to love well in certain areas. Like uh, loving your spouse. If you're married, that's something you actually have to fight for uh, to do. It's not always easy, and yet you want to press into that and chase after that and do it well. Loving your family, your, your passions, maybe your dreams, your love for others, love for the broken people in this world. And I would include your love for God. It's not always natural, and you actually have to stay after it. And so how do we maintain that love or loving the things that are most, important, I think all of us would agree that we want to love the things that we're supposed to to keep a passion and a love for in life. But how do we do that? And I would argue this. If you want to love well, it actually all begins and starts with loving God well. If you want to love the things in life that are actually most important, I believe it all begins by loving Him well. And here's why I say that. In Matthew chapter uh, 22... Verse 35 through 40, uh, a group of Pharisees surround Jesus and they uh, come up with a question that they think will stump him. And this is what it says, one of them said to him, an expert of the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? They're saying, out of all the laws, what's the most important one? Probably thinking, hey, whatever Jesus comes up with, I think I can refute him. But Jesus replied this way Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, when he says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, what's he saying? He's saying, listen, there's a whole lot of other laws included in kind of the law that God gave to Moses. There's a ton of amazing things that the Old Testament prophets wrote down. All those things are so good. But if you kind of were to make a list of all of those kind of insights, laws, commandments, or standards to live by, he's like, listen, all of them, you'll accomplish all of them if you just do these two. Love God and love others. If you do those... All the others are taken care of. And so uh, when, I, when I say, listen, I think if we want to love well and keep our priorities of what we love really well, then the most simplistic thing to do is these two things as well. And it all starts with loving God well. In fact, I think if you were to have a face-to-face with Jesus, if, if you had the opportunity right now just to walk up to Jesus and say, Jesus, what's the most important thing that I, uh, that I could do this week? Or this month or this year that would help me grow as an individual. I I think I know exactly what Jesus would say to you. He would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And love others like you love yourself. That's, That's what I believe he would say. Now here's the question is, if you had that type of encounter with Jesus, do you think what he would say to you would matter? Do you think you would take it to heart a little bit? I sure hope that we would. Uh, Because I know this response of loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind would have a profound impact upon how we love and prioritize love in our lives. And so let's just ask ourselves today, what does it actually mean then? If Jesus said to this Pharisee, Over 2,000 years ago, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. What does that mean for us today? And So let's just kind of break that down. Let's think about those those three things that Jesus mentions, okay? Let's start with this first one. Loving God with all your heart. What does that mean, to love the Lord with all your heart? Now to just think about this, uh, what I want to do is I want to dive into a guy's life who's referred to as a man after God's own heart. That's King David. King David is actually referred to this way. Now, I don't know exactly what made David kind of get that title, but there was something in the heart of David that God said, that's like me. I love that. And I see it all over this guy. Now, David was imperfect. Any imperfect people in the room? Any imperfect people online? Okay, so, so we got something in common with David, and yet he had something that I think all of us should glean from him in terms of how he loved God With all of his heart. And I want to look at this passage in 2 Samuel chapter 6. It's verse 14, is where it starts. And this is David. He's a new king. So King Saul ruled before him. David has just been uh, made the king, and he's bringing the ark of the Lord into Jerusalem. And this is what it says And David danced before the Lord with, say this with me, with all his might. Try it again. With all his might. This is like, if I could describe what all, like all your heart into something, it's it's this. He's doing with all of his might, all of his heart, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, who's actually David's wife, she was given to him as he became king from Saul, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. She was bitter, she was angry. And when David returned home to bless his own family, which you would think is a beautiful thing, he's coming home to just declare a blessing over his home, and this is what he comes into. Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him, and she said, in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today. She is laying on the sarcasm nice and thick here. (laughs) And now she's going to say what she actually means. Shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. This is not a pretty marital dispute right now, by the way. Don't take lessons on how to have a discussion because this was definitely an undercut from David. He's like, chose me over your daddy. What? Drop mic. Uh, It's not good. But but anyhow, man after God's own heart. Uh, He appointed me As the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. So what in the world was David doing? He's showing God where the love within his heart is in comparison to everything else. That's what he's doing. He's saying, compared to everything else, this is how much I love God. His heart reveals... uh, What he is really not concerned about, which is impressing other people. And when you love someone with all your heart, everything else, this is how I describe it, fades into the backdrop. It just becomes not so much of a priority, it doesn't influence behavior anymore. David might have said it this way to Michael, everything else that has appeared important to you, impressing people and things like that has faded into the backdrop of my mind. And in comparison to David's love for God, everything else, his people, his servants, uh, when he even says, in my own eyes, what's he saying when he says that? I'll be humiliated in my own eyes. He's, He's saying, listen, in comparison to my old opinions of life and how you behave with one another, I'm going to break all of those rules because all of that has even faded into the backdrop in comparison to my love for God. Are you alive? Yeah. Okay. This is the giveaway of your love for God. is You will see what fades into the backdrop of your life. For him to be prominent, something else is going to fall off, fall away. Whatever has your heart will impact your behavior. And something that you used to give attention to and love to is going to fade into the backdrop and your behavior is going to be impacted. If your love for God is primary, many of the other things that everyone else is pointing to and saying, this is important, it should influence how you behave, That those things are going to fade into the backdrop. I, I, I've been watching, my wife and I have been watching a show called Alone. Any of you Have, have any of you seen Alone? it's real come on it's a reality show uh, it, it's kind of a survival show it's it's pretty interesting you ought to check it out i can tell i'm getting older because it's on the history channel and my kids don't want to watch it with me but um, we, we like it. Um, but here's what happens is 10 people get dropped out in the middle of nowhere, and they basically just have to survive. And whoever survives the longest, you know, hunting on their own and uh, building their own shelter and, and surviving, wins. And basically you tap out when you can't handle it any longer. And so people have to leave for physical reasons. Either they're starving too much or they're not feeding themselves or they're too cold or whatever. Or the other half of the people tap out because basically they, they come to this conclusion that their values change. See, see, every episode or every season begins the exact same way. Season, or the very first episode, everyone says, here's how, because the winner wins a half million dollars. And they all say, here's how a half million dollars would change my life. They all say that. A half million dollars would change my life, and they fill in the blank. And that half of people that leave because their values change, on the day that they tap out, they all say the exact same thing. I could almost write a script for them. And it goes like this. When I came here, I thought I was doing this for the money. But after being out here, I've come to realize that all of my wealth is already at home. What happened? They, they had this realignment of their value system going, my family, my, all my friends, the people that I'm with, that is of greatest value to me. And the money has what? Faded into the backdrop. I no longer love that, and I've recognized the thing that I love most. They all have this reckoning moment where they realize that what had their hearts in the past will not have their hearts in the future. And some of us need to have a reckoning moment with the Lord where we go, God, what are some things that, quite frankly, have had our hearts in the past that should not have our hearts in the future? I think about this uh, The old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, where I love the line from it. It says, And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. I often think about that line. The things of this world grow strangely dim. They just kind of fade into the backdrop. In light of your glory, who you are and the grace that you've offered us. And when I love you, man, everything in this world seems to just fade away. That's what happens when we love Him with all of our hearts. Second thing is loving God with all your soul. So loving him with all of your heart and in doing so, the things of this world are going to fade into the background. Loving God with all your soul. Now, question, what in the world is your soul? I like this definition of the soul. A soul is this, it's the makeup of our mind, our emotions, and our will. Our mind, our emotion, and our will. We could almost call it our personality. Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, when she finds out she's going to be pregnant with the Messiah, this is what she says in Luke chapter 1 verse 46. She said, Mary said, my soul, this is her personality, glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now, she mentions two things here, soul and spirit. And a lot of times we picture these as the same, but they're actually different. There's other places in Scripture that divide out these two things, soul and spirit. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, I quoted this last week. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit. Separates these two, two things out. So what's the difference? Spirit is simply this. Picture spirit as well, your spirit—it is the the most core entity of your spiritual being. Okay, picture it as like the the vessel, the bowl that holds your core entity. Your soul is the personality that God has given you that goes inside that bowl. Okay, your your soul is your emotions. It is your will. It is your it is your Personality, but it is both are eternal. Your spirit and your soul will make it into eternity. Uh- But your soul is something that we really get to see manifested here on earth. Where we actually don't get to necessarily see your spirit manifested here on earth. We do see your soul. Because your soul is your personality. It is fully embodied and seen in your physical state now. And it will also be seen in your spiritual state later. Hopefully more perfected and you'll be a little cooler. okay? But it's your personality. okay? And so when Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. He's saying this. How would you choose to demonstrate your love to God with your personality? What would it look like for your personality to be fully on display showing your love to God? I'm aware that we all have unique personalities. I'm aware I have a unique personality. Some of you are like, yes, you do, Josh. (laughs) I do. Like from a young age, like if I was put into a group setting, I would probably take some leadership in that group setting. I'd find myself probably out in front um, taking charge. I've always been a little bit bolder in how I like live life, I guess, maybe a little bit more out there. And so even like last week, I think during our worship service, I, I came on out. I was dancing. Some of you are like, hey, I saw you dancing last week. Good for you and your personality. Now here's the deal, for me to worship God with all of my soul, that means that it's my personality fully on display, it's my personality fully engaged, and what sometimes we do is we can look at other people and their personality and say, that's not me, and that's okay, I'm not asking you to be me, I'm asking you to be you, fully all in with your personality, And so, please don't for a moment think to yourself, "Well, I've got a little bit more reserved personality, so it it kind of I'm off the hook on displaying my love for the Lord." No, 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 no. You have a personality that's unique to you, that is God gave you to display your love to Him all in. What does that look like? That's the question that you have to wrestle with, and you've got to take a little bit step. uh, You got to take a step forward within your personality to express your love to the Lord. Yeah. In, in that way. Picture it like this. How many of you guys love uh, or have seen the TV show Duck Dynasty? Any of you? Duck Dynasty? A few more, okay. I don't know why I'm referencing TV shows today. I'm just saying. Okay, Duck Dynasty. So if you've seen the, the show Duck Dynasty, it's a bunch of, about a bunch of, and they're self-proclaimed rednecks who make duck calls, okay? It's the Robertson family. And uh, there's one brother in the mix of brothers there, and his name is Jace, okay? And so Jace, he's the middle brother, and he's got a really dry personality, super straightforward, kind of says it like he, he sees it. And um, in this one particular episode, his oldest son comes to a point where he's going to ask his girlfriend to marry him. So they're going to get engaged. And he comes up with this elaborate plan, really romantic, of how he's going to propose to his future fiance. And... Um, As Jace is listening to his son, he's like, man, that's super romantic. And when he hears about it and how it all went down, he's like, that was just, that's amazing. And Jace started uh, reflecting on his proposal to his wife, Missy, 20 some years earlier, and recognized that he didn't quite. maybe put his best, best foot forward in his proposal. Because here's what he did. He buried the engagement ring in a pot of dirt for Christmas, gave it to her, and said, dig in the dirt. So she dug in the dirt, found the ring, and he said, you're going to marry me, right? That was his proposal. <laughs> Hindsight, he's like, I could have done a little bit better. So, 20-some years later, his son proposes. It's awesome. And he's like, I'm going to send, uh, throw a surprise party of celebration for my son. But then while I'm there, I'm also going to surprise my wife. And in the middle of this thing, he takes a knee and he says, listen, I recognize that my proposal to you 20-some years ago probably wasn't very romantic. And I probably could have done better. And then he goes on to like give this really beautiful Speech and reproposes to his wife and Missy's crying and they hug, and it's it's all wonderful. You should see it. But here's the deal: Jace's personality, he's going, I'm not very romantic, but he's recognizing my love for my wife is worth doing better. I think there's a lot of us who we go, hey, this is my personality. But listen, if we really love the Lord with all of our heart and all of our soul, that's your personality. I think there's some of us, kind of like Jace, who have just kind of written it off going, no, I'm like this. This is who I am. And we just don't try. And quite frankly, we could just do better. I'm not asking you to be me. I'm asking you to be you, but be you all in. Like, it's you doing all that you can do within your personality to express your love to the Lord. That's what Jesus is calling us to. Love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, which is your unique personality, but all in. And then finally he ends with this. Love the Lord your God with all of your mind. With all your mind. Now question, what's the difference between your brain and your mind? You want to know the difference? Your brain is temporal your brain is physical while your mind is eternal and your mind lasts into eternity. Picture it like your, your brain is it's kind of, it's part of your body. Your body will die. Your brain is going to die. Your, you, people can go brain dead, right, if they're in an accident or something like that. But your mind is the thing that will last all the way into eternity. It is your thinking that transfers through your physical brain. And it is something that God has actually given you that will make it all the way to an eternity with you. And so when Jesus is saying, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He's saying, this is your eternal thinking. This is your thinking and how you think. And I want that to demonstrate love for the Lord. Uh, picture or In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. This is what the Apostle Paul says about our mind and about our thinking and how we need to kind of what we need to set it on. He says, Since you've been seated or you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now, the Greek word that gets translated is set set here, set your mind on things above, is literally, it's it's, it's this. It's to set the direction for one's mind to a thing, or to set to toward something. Picture it like this. If you have a GPS, you set the direction of where you want to go, your destination, right? And then you start following your GPS to wherever it tells you to go. And if you get off track and you take a wrong turn, what does your GPS do? It recalculates. It goes recalculating. And it, it reroutes you so that you get to the same destination. What Colossians is telling us to do is he's saying, hey, you need to set your destination purposefully or the world's going to set it for you. You need to purpose to set your mind on heavenly things, things that God is concerned about. Otherwise, by default, you're going to start wandering down to destinations that are not godly. So you purpose to set your mind on heavenly things, and then when you get distracted in this world, and you will, the Holy Spirit's going to give you a gut check, and he's going to say, recalculating. Let's get back on track because we've determined to set our mind on heavenly things, not earthly things. And so what some of us need to do, that's a good point. I'll give it two claps as well. All right. You give it two claps. At our house, this is what we do. When we like, want to say like, celebrate someone, we say one clap. So like if Lisa cooks an amazing meal, which that's every night. We go, one clap for mom. And everyone goes like that, but on beat. So try. One clap for mom. Now you can just do one clap for me. Ready? So when you feel like really good, it's all cool. When you give one clap, I'm going to be like, I totally feel that. That's like a whole applause right there. So I'm just saying. So one or two, it's all good. yeah, there are going to be these random little pops now. <laughs> But some of us, I think all of us, we've got to determine to set our direction for our minds on things above. Now for some of you, you're going to be able to identify some things right away that you know is setting your mind on things from this world. You're going, man, the movies I watch are are they're causing my mind to think about a lot of things from this world. Or the music you listen to, or the books you read, or the social media you're hanging out with, or the people you're hanging out with, and you're like, I got a lot of things that I can immediately eliminate because those are the things that's causing me to set my mind on the destination of this world right now. If I eliminate all those things, and I go, God, I want my heart to be set on your thing, whatever you're about, whatever heaven's about, that's what I want to determine, that my mind, my thinking is going to be focused on, so that when things from this world come and distract you, and they will, the Holy Spirit's going to say, gut check, realign, focus your mind on things above. And as you do so, you're actually setting up your, your thinking to demonstrate your love for the Lord as well, because we're loving him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. One of the things that I, I love about uh, having kids, and I love about children in general. You don't have to have kids to recognize this, but I love this about children. It's children, um, specifically young ones, they don't have a version of life other than kind of all in. It's just how they do life. I've got a six-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter, and those two just do life all in. Like when they're hurt, they are all in to their pain. And when they're mad... You know it, because they are all mad. And when they're happy, they are all happy. And when they're joyful, they're all joyful. And when they're thankful, they are all thankful. Like, it's just like you can't stop the hugs and the kisses from coming, because it's just all, they're all in. I think it's why Jesus so often would grab these little kids and goes, hey, you want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like? It's like a child. They, they, they crack the code. They're just all in. They don't have another version of living life other than fully in. And this is why Jesus goes, become like a child. Your faith has to become like a child. And when Jesus says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, he's going, it's just all in. Your faith has to become like a child like that. Where you just kind of go all in. And so what does it look like for you to love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, your personality, all your mind? We're going to end with communion here. And as we come to the close of our service to take communion together. I love communion because it takes us to the cross. Like, that's the whole point. The, if you're like, hey, we just do this because it's symbolic and it's sweet. It is symbolic and it is sweet. But it's not just any of those things. It is significant. It's designed to be done with others kind of corporately, or at least all at the same time, those of you who are joining us online, that at a collective moment that we say, Jesus changed something. And as we take the bread that represents his body that was broken for us, and we take the cup that represents his blood that was poured out for us, it it should shift the way we live our life. It shouldn't just be a moment to remember. It should be a moment to remember and shift and change us where we go, that's right. What Jesus did at the cross was so profound. My life was forever changed. This is what love really looked like. And so during this first song, I just want us to take a time while we're taking the elements just to reflect on God's love for you. He loved you so much that he sent his son to lay down his life for you. And then during the second song, um, I want us to like kind of change our posture and say, okay, after now, after having recognized and just kind of looked at the love that God displayed to us. Now I want to turn around. I want to show God how much I love him. I want to tell God how much I love him. I want to, with all my heart, all of my personality, all of my thoughts, I want to direct my love to the Lord during that second song. And so would you just bow your heads with me in prayer as we just prepare to take these elements together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your Son to lay down his life for us at the cross. And thank you, Jesus, that you did it willingly. As we take these elements, we are seeing love in action, perfect love in action. May the cross not just be something we visit for a moment and move on, but come and remember and that it changes something. It anchors something in our heart to what real love looks like. And as a result of seeing it, being in the presence of true love, we can in turn love you well. First John says we love because he first loved us. And so Lord, help us all, everyone in the room, everyone online, take a step forward in our faith journey today as we want to say we want to love you all in with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to this mission by visiting Give.